Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we usually go back and we check out a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today, I've got a very special bonus episode for you. It's uh, a recent release and for those that are listening today, it is Christmas. So very, very Merry Christmas to those that are listening right now. If you're listening in the future, I hope you had a good Christmas because this is a release from Christmas Eve on 2021. And it's a satirical science fiction black comedy called Don't Look Up. This is directed by Adam McKay. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Scott Muscuti, Himesh Patel, Melanie Linsky, Kate Blanchett, and Meryl Streep. I'm almost out of voice from reeling off that cast list, but... What a cast that is, and what a release this is from Netflix uh, right before Christmas. <laughs> I guess it's an interesting time to release it. It has had a bit of a theatrical release prior to hitting Netflix at Christmas for 2021, um, and we'll probably go through that a little bit further, but uh, this this film is probably not uh, one that you're going to sit down with the family and feel good about yourself uh, on Christmas Day watching. So... This is probably my chance to let you know I'm going to spoil this film. If you are keen on checking this film, don't look up out. Give us a pause. Come back a little bit later on. And um, I'm going to go into a little bit of depth and detail about this film. So that's it. We're getting into it with my fast flicks where on our show we do a quick summary about what the film's all about. And for me, this one is, it's a planet that's, um, you know having a comet coming right near it so it's going to destroy earth and it's up to two scientists to alert the world of this catastrophic event and that is the gist of the film so if you're still with me good you must have seen the film Um, i'm going to talk a little bit about how this one sort of came together and i guess the idea about this film was that it was announced in november 2019 and paramount pictures picked up and they decided to offload it to netflix several months later Jennifer Lawrence became the first member of the cast to join and, and DiCaprio, after a few rewrites of the script, jumped on too and the rest of the cast was added throughout 2020. And obviously, the last few years have been a little bit tricky across the world for lots and lots of people and, and Hollywood obviously has been impacted by this too. So uh, the filming was meant to start in April 2020 in and around Massachusetts, in and around Boston in America. Um, they held off until November of 2020 because of COVID and the pandemic, obviously, and they filmed right through to February 2021. Um, it then debuted on the 5th of December in New York, had a small theatrical release, limited, um, especially in America, from the 10th of December, as well as other places around the world. And then Netflix dropped it on Christmas Eve, the 24th of December, 2021. There's a few things about the making of this film that, that occurred, I guess. And in Feb in 2020, Jennifer Lawrence actually was injured um, in during filming because this uh, glass explosion sort of... Uh, went a little bit wrong and she got a little bit of uh, a little bit of glass in her and another thing as well during filming obviously Massachusetts that time of year a little bit cold uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has got a couple of lovely dogs and one of the dogs jumped into a frozen lake and Leo actually jumped in after the dog to save the dog and then his other two dogs I think jumped in as well so they ended up all in the water apparently the dogs are all good we know Leo's okay so um, interesting little story there as well um, 
The tagline for this one was, it's based on truly possible events. So uh, hopefully that leads into a little bit later on about the themes and the ideas in this film as well. And obviously around the world, it does have a different title. So obviously the English title is Don't Look Up. In the French speaking parts of the world, it's called Cosmic Denial, which fits in nicely as well with what happens in this film. Um, in Slovakia and Czechia, it's called sorry, Chechia, it's called Look Down. So the complete opposite of this title. So this one, it's called Don't Look Up and they've gone with Look Down. So to avoid, I guess it, it has the same impact to the title and we'll, we'll probably uh, explain that as we go. Uh, South Korea, it's called Money Look Up. And that's a, a good one too, because this film does revolve a bit around business and, and the impact that has on uh, politics and decisions that are made about, you know, important decisions that the public need to be made on, on, their, on their behalf. This one's a little bit of a spoiler, so I have given a spoiler alert, but um, there is a post or two post credit scenes in this one. And there is a, a scene at the end where um, Meryl Streep, one of the characters in this film, uh, appears naked and she actually had a... Um, a body double for that scene and Leonardo DiCaprio was very against this scene because um, you know he didn't well, he, he looks at uh, Meryl Streep as like sort of royalty of Hollywood and he didn't really like the idea of that but Meryl Streep was fully on board um, and, and happy with the scene so another little interesting tidbit about this film uh, box office this one obviously like I said had a bit of a theatrical release so it's estimated, and obviously this is a guess because Netflix are very tight-lipped with their, their results, but they reckon um, from about 500 theaters on the opening day, it took about 260,000 US dollars, which isn't too bad. And then over the opening weekend, took about $700,000. So realistically, the, the budget for this though is 75 mil. So uh, Netflix will be hoping that the streaming numbers are gonna reward they're picking up with this film because if we look at similar films that were made for about 75 mil, we can go back to like the 90s and, and films like Independence Day, which were pretty groundbreaking for their special effects at the time, um, as well as the, the sequel to Jurassic Park, The Lost World, that was about 75 mil too. But most of the films, I guess, that, that sort of sit around this 75 mil market are sort of animated films. So like Despicable Me 3, Ice Ages, Madagascar films, Shark Tale, I know that one's a little bit older, the original X-Men, um, the Dream Girls musical, the real, the, the closest we can look at is the the Ghostbusters Afterlife, which has come out in the last few months as well. Similar sort of budget, so that's what we're sitting in um, as a ballpark figure for this film at this time. Um, moving on a little bit, I guess we need to talk about what people are saying about this film at the moment for Don't Look Up. So, Rotten Tomatoes. It sits at 56%, and that's from critics, obviously, on 200 reviews. So it sits at rotten, not um, not hitting the mark with the critics at the moment. The audience has it a bit higher. So a bit over 100 audience members have jumped onto Rotten Tomatoes. Given It sits at about 77%, so that's a lot more positive. And the other numbers that I'm going to look at from IMDb and Letterboxd, I watched the film pretty much when it came out on Christmas Eve, and I'm recording this about 24 hours later on Christmas Day, and the increase in the amount of people that have logged this film is is quite amazing considering it's that festive season and you know a lot of people would probably be watching the diehards and your your christmas carol sorts of films like elf and and those sorts of things but realistically we look at 
IMDb, it sits at a 7.4, which is extremely high. And just in 24 hours, it's jumped up from about 4,000 ratings to 25,000. So that's a huge jump. And the same can be said for Letterboxd. It sits on a 3.3 out of 5, and that's on 42,000, a bit over 42,000 ratings and or reviews. And that's gone up 30,000 in 24 hours. So a lot of people have, have got on board and given this a watch over the Christmas time. So Interesting, and I'm sure Netflix will be pretty happy with that if um, they're getting these eyeballs on this film over this busy time of year where people are, are generally spending time with family and, and watching those classic Christmas movies that you think about. And I think um, the other thing that I need to touch on is this has obviously been released in December around this time leading towards the award season. And and so far, it's got 30 nominations for a variety of, of awards uh, ceremonies that are they're coming up over February, March, and April, I guess. And so far, it has won seven awards. It won the AFI Movie of the Year. It won the New York Film Critics Film of the Year. And it has four Golden Globe nominations. And I know they're very, a very contentious uh, award ceremony at the moment. I think this is the first year that they're not actually going to broadcast it because of um, disagreements with their voting body, I guess, and, and the representation on that body. But it has been nominated for, at the Golden Globes, Best Motion Picture for a Musical or Comedy, then Best Performances for Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio, as well as Best Screenplay for the director and writer, Adam McKay. So... Some good buzz heading into award seasons for this film, even though the critics aren't necessarily on board. And I'm going to talk about my early thoughts for this one uh, before I get into the crux of, of this movie. And I completely understand that this film isn't for everyone. Uh, and I think like with most films that have a bit of a comedic edge, if you're in on the humor, you're probably going to enjoy it. And it's not too hard to get on board when you have such a good cast who are all giving it like their best, like the, the cast in this, as I mentioned at the start, huge cast. I think the big issue with this one is that the themes and the ideas are probably going to be a little bit touchy for some. Um, and I guess if you have followed Leonardo DiCaprio over the years and, and know about his causes, you, you're probably going to get why he did this film. But I, I think this film definitely gives you something to think about. If you've seen this film and you didn't like what it was saying, you probably want to going to want to give it a pause now and, and not really listen any further. So thanks for staying so far. But those that are in on this film and want to hear my thoughts, stick with me because uh, we've got a bit to go. I think the easiest way to, to do this is look at the characters. And we start off with Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Randall Mindy. Uh, he, he plays this stressed out scientist. He's driven by his, his anxiety on, he's on every sort of medication you can possibly think of. And he's so dedicated to his science and, and speaking the truth but his own personal life, there, there are definitely some struggles with his wife and his kids because I think he's putting so much into this effort and, and that's where he's, he's spending his time sort of developing and, and working with the younger people. And that's where we talk about Kate, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character, who is this grad um, who, who obviously identifies the comet that I mentioned at the start that's coming towards Earth and it's going to destroy Earth. So I think her as a character is probably meant to be the character that younger people are supposed to identify with. Uh, she's meant to be relatable for, I guess, teenagers. She, you know, she smokes weed, she's hip, she's got the cool haircut. And then at the same time, the other things that younger people could probably relate to her with is that she can't commit. And we see this through her boyfriend. You know, she makes a comment about, oh, you know, I'll meet your mum in seven months time. And I guess the, the boyfriend sort of represents this younger generation too, because when 
events unfold in this film, he's, he's very quick to get rid of her um, because of the thoughts of others and what people are saying about his girlfriend. So he's also in, in it for his own self rather than working together as a team, which is something I guess that they're trying to highlight about the younger generation. And I, obviously the, the characters of Randall and Kate or Mindy and Kate, they're these two scientists that are trying to prove to the world that, you know, we need to be alert and worried about this comet coming to Earth. So on the other hand, they sort of go through this scale of, of importance of people in the world that they need to preach this message to and whether that goes right from the president of the United States down through to people interacting on social media. There's a, there's a range of characters in this film and I guess the most important that you'd want to touch on would be Meryl Streep's. She plays the, the president of the United States, um, President Orlean. And I guess it's really hard not to make comparisons between the portrayal and the actions or the inactions of this character compared to um, presidents of the United States uh, from recent times. And this is sort of off-played by uh, her son, who is appointed the the chief of staff, played by Jonah Hill. Um, The son's name's Jason. And I, I think that the notion of this character Jonah Hill sort of mentioned was that I'm gonna pretend this character's as if the Fry Festival was a person. So anyone that knows about the Fry Festival, it was this big music festival that, you know, had heaps of celebrities and social media interactions and everyone booked the, the flights and accommodations for this really luxurious event and they all arrived and they were like staying in tents and things like that. So I think that's a bit of a good insight into who this character was and he sort of provides the comedic relief even though I think Streep's president is quite funny in her own right as well. Um, the other character that I'll sort of touch on here, I guess, is Peter, who's played by Mark Rylance, and almost unrecognizable, this super creepy kind of person that runs this huge tech company. And you can sort of imagine this is the sort of person that runs these these types of businesses in real life and has very little thought for anyone but themselves. And I think that it's such a, it's not a, uh, a character that you're going to identify with or believe in. It sort of feels a bit cartoonish, but at the same time, you sit there going, I think this is that these are the sorts of people that are running all these technology things that all of us are so addicted to and use on a daily basis, especially, you know, over this Christmas stage, every single person I, I can think of has put up a post or a photo or a video about what they're doing with their families and things like that. So um, very relevant to what's going on. Um, that's I guess that's where I'll leave the characters. There's no one else really. There are so many big names in this, I guess, but they all play small roles and they'll probably touch on them a little bit throughout the scenes that I'm going to discuss. And this is probably a good chance to sort of mention the director, Adam McKay. <laughs> Got his start in straight-up comedies. You think about Anchorman, you think about Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, the other guys. These films obviously all have Will Ferrell and I'm pretty sure that they've, they've have had a little bit of a, a falling out since those films, but... Since, you know, he started off with those comedies, those lowbrow comedies almost, now he's sort of heading towards these awards contenders where in the recent years he's had the big short with, you know, Christian Bale and and Vice and and films like this. So I'm guessing that this film is that type of film that he wants to head towards as well because this this sort of sits there with um, commentary more on society rather than just there for for cheap laughs. Uh, And I think that... That almost gives me a chance now to talk about some scenes in this film and, and things that sort of stood out for me um, throughout this film. So I guess for me to start off with, <laughs> at the start, uh, as our two main characters, Mindy and Kate, arrive at the White House to sort of 
debrief or debrief the the president on what's going on. There's the White House uh, general Scott uh, Teams walk, or Themes walks in, and it's this dude from CSI, and just seeing him on the screen just made me happy. So I think it got me into this film quite early, and I think uh, that's that's a good start. And I'll continue on because Kate Blanchett. I haven't even mentioned her character yet. Kate Blanchett and. Um, Tyler Perry, they play these co-hosts on this talk show, I guess. And and Kate Blanchett's character sort of, you know, this character that's got the money, she's got the degree, she's been divorced, she slept with presidents, speaks lots of languages and sort of uh, leads uh, Mindy onto this sort of uh, sexual escapade, I guess. But I really enjoyed the the banter between the two on this talk show. It's the sort of morning breakfast talk show characters that you see. And, you know, um, Tyler Perry's character sort of, you know, when they're talking about the comet sort of says, you know, oh, what if, um, will it hit my ex-wife's house? And I just thought that was quite funny. And, you know, the Kate Blanchett's characters making these moves towards Mindy and sort of rubbing his leg under the desk. They, these are all just these little shots and little scenes that sort of add to the comedic elements of what's quite a serious film, realistically. Um, and the same thing I've sort of mentioned about Kate and her boyfriend and he, he, there's a scene where, you know, she's on, on TV and on this talk show and the boyfriend sort of copying it from, from his colleagues about her sort of being a bit nuts. And it was quite a, a comedic moment. And then following on from that, we sort of see the backlash from social media. And obviously we'll talk more in the themes about this, but the idea of all these memes coming out of Mindy and, and Kate being on this show and the idea that Mindy's hot is this hot scientist dad. And it's followed up with this article from Kate's boyfriend about her being crazy. And, you know, the, 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 the data is telling us that she connects with the mentally ill and youth and it, I know saying this out loud now, if you haven't seen the film, you're probably like, what on earth are you on about? But they're quite comedic as you're watching the scene. Um, I think Jonah Hill's character, most of his scenes, he had all these really good little one-liners, especially uh, the, the banter or the, not really, I guess it's almost bullying that he put towards Kate's character, you know, talking about how she's so ugly when she cries and just being mean to her for, for the sake of it, like when she's um, taken in by the FBI, just putting a bag over her head for, for no reason. And there's, an, there's a scene where he, he pulls Mindy into a room and he's like, well, you know, you're not invited, Kate, and just closes the door on her. So so quite funny little one-liners from Joan Hill's character, uh, or Jason, the president's son. <laughs> there's a scene where, you know, the, they work out this is actually real and the president apologizes and says, yes, we need to listen to you, Mindy and Kate. You're doing the right thing. Does this huge big press conference or this emergency message to the American public. And it's on the middle of a naval ship and it's followed by fireworks. And it's just so reminiscent of things that we've seen over the last few years. And it really reminded me of um, the Sher video clip. I can't even remember the name of the song, but she's on a naval ship. If you've seen that song uh, or that music video clip, you know what I'm talking about, but it was just just humorous. And uh, following on from that, Mindy, as he's trying to get this message out about, you know, the world's going to end, everything's happening, and they have, they have him on this show that's almost like Sesame Street, which was quite funny, and um, as he's sort of developing his his relationship with Brie or Kate Blanchett's character, he sort of talks about, you know, his life, and, and, you know, one of the most important things in his life recently was that he'd finally got his Star Wars poster signed by Mark Hamill, so, you know, just these little one-liners that were quite good throughout. Um there's this, and the president puts in charge sort of like this meathead to to run the campaign. I think his name was Drask, and he just has this speech that he that as they're launching these rockets that sort of highlights the the type of people that run these military or or these campaigns. And he makes these these comments about race and um, homosexuality that that sort of highlight 
the the choices being made by leaders in the people that they put in charge of these things, which was quite a nice little commentary, I think. Um, I'll keep going. I've got I've got a fair few fair few scenes, I guess, realistically. Um, I think that there's a scene later on where sort of Bree and and Mindy's relationship sort of is made public and. Kate sort of a bit shocked by this and, and Jason's sitting there and he's like, oh, these guys are making out so I'll try and make a move on Kate and she sort of just pushes him off. That was quite funny. Uh, there's a scene in a bar where Kate and Mindy are talking about, you know, what's happening now or now that they're not going to try and uh, destroy this this comet and they're going to try and mine it for all the, the the value, the monetary value that it has and there's just this riot that breaks out in the bar. So I thought that was quite a cool scene. And this is probably the the one scene that was sort of emotionally impacting, I guess, where Mindy's wife sort of rocks up um, and waits for him in a room when he walks in with um, Kate Blanchett's character, Brie, and sort of confronts him over this affair. And I think it was really well done, although the makeup scene later on between uh, Mindy and his wife, it, it was just sort of rushed and, and not really good. So a positive, but also a negative there as well. Ariana Grande, um, there's a there's a concert about looking up and she does this song and one of the, the lines in the lyrics of this song was getting your head out of your ass and listening to scientists and that was a lyric in a song and I just, I mean, it's very blatant and very in your face but I just thought it was quite funny as well. Um, nearly done, so <laughs> this is heading towards the end and this is heading into spoiler territory, I guess, where the president realises she's made the wrong choice, she's got this ship to evacuate a whole bunch of people, she offers a spot for Mindy to get on there, he rejects it, and then he says, you know, enjoy your time up there with Jason, and she sort of pauses, and, and as an audience, we know that she's left her son behind, and it's just very, very funny. And and finally, the, there's two post-credit scenes, uh, but the, one of the, the scenes involves, you know, years later, the, the president and the people that, that she got on board this flight sort of uh, defrost themselves, and then it's a nice, luscious planet, but there's these weird animals roaming around and, and straight off one of these animals sort of bites the president's head off and <laughs> eats the president. It was just a nice comedic way to, to end what's quite a heavy uh, film towards the end. Uh, that'll take me to some things that I didn't like in this. And you can tell from my tone that, you know, that just thinking about these scenes sort of brings back some good memories. So some things that I sort of didn't necessarily like in this. And I think that I'm not sure, like Ariana Grande, everyone knows Ariana Grande, whether it's from her, her days on Nickelodeon, there's a, she's really in a couple, only like two scenes, but this one big scene is that she's on this talk show. She's given more time, more emphasis than Mindy and Kate. And, you know, their issue is obviously a lot more important because Ariana Grande is just talking about, you know, her breakup with her boyfriend and they, they get him back on the call and sort of talk about, oh, let's get back together and things like that. And I, I get the point that they're making about people only being interested in celebrities and, and their relationships instead of the real news. But it was just very meh. I mean, <laughs> I guess there, there was in prior to them going live, she sort of makes a comment to Leonardo's, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Mindy, and pretty much calls him an old F-U-C-K. And that, that was quite funny. But apart from that rubbish scene and the last thing, this is, this is probably the most disappointing thing from this film for me is that Timothy um, Chalamet is in this film, and I love that guy. I think he's fantastic. I can't really think of anything that I didn't like him in, but he was such a waste of space in this. Um, it's sort of this young kid that they create a romantic relationship for for Kate, and I guess I don't really, I didn't really believe. I just felt the age difference between them probably was a bit more than what Jennifer Lawrence is, I guess, and it just it just didn't sit right, and he wasn't funny, and it, yeah, I just. I was disappointed to say the least about about his appearances in this this film. 
So time to talk about some themes and ideas in this one. And there's, there's a lot in this film, I guess. And they touch on these all in a different way. And it's obviously all done through through dark sort of comedy. And the the big thing, I, or one of the things in this is the idea about the media. And, and we see this through social media. We see this through broadcast media in this film as well. And the idea that the media doesn't really care about the truth. They're, they're worried about ratings. And in particular, in, in the current stage, more worried about social media engagements. Who's liking posts? Who's watching videos? Those sorts of things. And, and there's this idea too about how people need to be trained to perform to be in the media rather than be themselves and give the evidence or the important information that needs to appear. And that, that appears quite a bit in this film as well. The other thing that this leads into, I guess, is the government and I guess in actions from governments rather than actions when there's evidence there. And this just highlights, and I know this film is about climate change and that's very very obvious about why we're not acting on climate change now but the idea of what's happened recently the past couple of years we've had massive black lives matter movements civil rights movements we've had issues with gun violence um there's a a great australian film um that's done the circuits recently called nitrum about gun gun violence as well so if you're interested in that but and then obviously as well the obvious thing is the pandemic that we've all faced the last few years and i guess the temptation too to for governments to to side with profit and private sectors and the, the donors the people that give them the money to get the power that they they so want while at the same time they're happy to let the important things slide um and and this is you know they're talking about waiting while they deal with less important things so realistically the the idea of this is that governments are all about the votes and the elections and you know, the, the perfect example in this film is that mention of sitting tight and assessing, um, even though they have the data there to say exactly what's going to happen. So I think that's a it's a very interesting commentary to talk about. There's this idea too about cultural indifference and everything at the moment is about data points and algorithms and how we can predict people's um, actions and, and their their um, emotions almost. And we see that through that Mark Rylance character. And it's a creepy thing to actually sit down and think about. And I know that it's done in a comedic way, but you just need to actually think about that too. And I think obviously science is, is a huge thing. And obviously this is about uh, climate change, this film, and I'm not trying to get political or anything, but the idea here about critical thinking, because we're at this stage where it's almost out the door, the idea of, of believing science, believing scientists, because um, this film tries to, you know, say, well, we're keeping ideas simple um, because no one wants to hear the math. So what is the right thing to do? Um, do, you, do you believe scientists or do you, you push your own agenda and try and work out things yourself? And and finally, there is a bit of teamwork in this film too. Um, Kate and Mindy working together there. They're, they're a good team together. Um, even though they have they have times apart, they, they do bring their heads in together and work together. So that's, that's a nice thing to see. Um, all right, this film, what do I take away from it a little bit? And I think a good thing to take away from this one is Chris Evans. So there were rumors that Chris Evans was was going to play a bigger character in this film. And, and he does this little cameo that if you blink, you'll miss it. Um, there's, there's this idea that the events that are happening in the world at the time of this film, the comet coming to crash on Earth, is this big budget Hollywood production film of um, this, this event happening. And there's this short, quick little scene where they have the film poster there and Chris Evans is sitting there with sunnies and a hat on and um, he does this cameo where he talks about the film that he's in and talking about everyone being tired of politics. Um, I, I didn't realise it was him at the time, 
but I saw that he was in this car. So it's, it's an interesting little spot for him to pop up in, um, Captain America, you know, Mr. Mr. Perfect. So very, very cool. Um, questions. I, d I don't have anyone to bounce questions off with, but I've just got these questions or these thoughts that popped into my head as I was watching. And I think I'll, I'll ponder them myself and see if I can answer them myself. So the idea, Ariana Grande, she, she, she has one scene where she's on the talk show and she has one scene where she sings a song at this big fundraiser event. And she plays this exaggerated pop star. And I'm not sure that this had the impact it probably should have had because my impression of her anyway was, was this anyway, that she's over the top, overemphasizes things. I'm not sure if that's just me remembering her from her Nickelodeon days and thinking about her music video clips, but I'm thinking maybe her choice or putting her in this film maybe didn't work. So I'm not sure whether people agree with that. That's, that's one thought I've got. Um, the other sort of thing, I guess, is this idea of, you know, why are we trapped in, in these cycles of media coverage and the social media addictions with very little actions? Um, and I think that that's probably a, a thing to take away from this film is they don't really address it. They, they do lots of these cutaways of social media reactions or memes or challenges or things like that, but they don't actually, you know, lead through to what are these leading to? Um, and I think that's probably something that we we all face every day in our in our social media usage. And um, it's very interesting. Um, <laughs> I guess this is just an open-ended question, but, you know, since, since when did believing in science become political? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not a huge science buff. I, I think I dropped science in year 10, but I've always just believed what scientists told me because they're the ones that have gone to school for years and years. So, you know, especially with, with global warming and climate change, why aren't we listening to all these people whose voices, you know, you think about Al Gore who put that documentary out years ago, The Inconvenient Truth. Have have people acted on that? I think he even did a sequel. But has anyone seen that sequel? What what are our actions? I know in particular in Australia, our government signs up to all these things to say, yeah, we're going to change our, our emissions and, you know, set these targets, but nothing really happened. So it's an interesting thing to ponder. And I guess finally, the, the last one I just bring up is the idea that if we can't listen to each other and we can't listen to other people's thoughts or listen to debate, how on earth can we listen to a film like this? I mean, this film is trying to cover so much and, and maybe that's why it's had such poor reception from critics because this film, if we're just focusing on a comet coming to earth and everyone dying, blowing up the whole world, this is a life or death conversation and there's so many people in this film and so many people characters that just ignore it and they they focus more on their own personal gains than anything else so it's an interesting thing to ponder and i'm glad that this film's uh, sort of highlighted these things to me and that sort of leads me to my wrap up for this i guess and i, I think I, I i enjoyed it i i did enjoy this film i think that the cast is probably a good enough reason to give it a go it provided me with enough laughs that I just probably wasn't expecting. I, I, I walked into this not thinking that it was going to be such a comedy, I guess. And realistically, this was well in motion, this whole production of this film, pre-production of this film before the pandemic. But even though it's about global warming, the parallels are so uncanny um, with what's been happening in the world in the last 18 months to two years with the pandemic as well. So I think you're giving yourself a disservice by not checking it out. Uh, so I'm giving it a four out of five. Give it a watch. You don't have to agree with me. I don't care if you don't agree with me. I, I'm happy for you to give me some feedback and tell me how wrong I am. But I think it's an important watch to be like, this is a film from 2021 talking about issues that we have. So if you're on board, thank you. If you're not, that's good too. I'm happy to hear other thoughts because I 
definitely don't think I, I am um, the most perfect person or have the perfect views, but I'm keen to hear what others have to say. So we have socials, jump onto our socials, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a listen to some of our other episodes too. We've got a huge back catalog, uh, 180 plus episodes. So if there's a Netflix original film, uh, we've probably done an episode on it. So give us a listen, give us a search on Google at Flix Forum. Question I'm going to pop on social media for this film is, does this movie terrify you? Does it, does it make you actually scared that what happened if there was a comet flying through the earth coming towards earth and we all had six months to live? What would be some of the last things you do? And I think the final scene of this film, one of the final scenes where all the people that are close together sit around a dinner table just to reflect on and be with each other. I think that's a really nice moment. And I, I don't know that I'd have the the courage to actually be like, that's what I'm going to do. It was my last thing on life. I'd, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd be running around crazy probably, but this film has so many things to think about. So hopefully my discussion and my thoughts have given you something to think about too. If you wanted to hit us up, go for it. Other than that, we have episodes out every Wednesday. Feel free to um, jump on board, give us a subscribe and I'm hoping that everyone's had a fantastic Christmas and looking forward to the new year. Hopefully 2022 is going to bring so much better things to all of us and I'll speak soon.